Let's go to Space Blue Sky Learning, Episode 22, Storytelling and STEM, Inspiring the Engineers of the Future. Today, we meet with Prabha Soundararajan, a neuroscientist and children's book author of a STEM series. He is the founder and CEO at Boonda, an edtech startup company located in Tampa, Florida. Growing up in India, Prabha was a reluctant reader during his childhood and, in fact, even into his earlier parts of his adulthood. After moving to North America to pursue his education in neuroscience, he discovered why reading had been such a chore. He had learned that he was in fact a visual learner, and much of the material he had been given was not presented in a manner that was conducive to his particular learning style. With this knowledge, he started reading short stories, science and engineering books that were pictorial in nature. He then began to write stories for children with the hope of inspiring other young, reluctant readers. Prabha created Pumpus the Pumpkin and his pals to teach STEM through storytelling, using characters relatable to children. His hands-on approach to curriculum makes this series particularly interesting to students of all learning styles, including the reluctant readers, like he had been himself. As always, stay tuned after the episode for our takeaway. joining us today. I was really uh, happy to meet you the other day. We talked a little bit about your children's storybook line and how you use storytelling in general for curriculum. So what can you tell us a little bit about your background, how you got involved in creating this kind of curriculum? Thank you, Shana. Thank you, Kevin and Shana, for giving me this opportunity. I appreciate it. And it's been great to know you guys. But regarding my background, so I'm from India, from a small town called Pondicherry. And uh, for viewers who want to locate Pondicherry precisely on the map, it has a storyline called Life of Pi. And that, that's, that's a kind of a relational uh, thing. It was shot in my home. The first 15 minutes of the movie was shot in home, my hometown. So growing up in India, I, was, uh, I, was, I had dyslexia. But back, back then in India in the 1970s and 80s, nobody knew anything about it. Even now, they don't have a lot of opinion about that. Very difficult to diagnose back in a developing country. So I just dropped out of school and didn't do well in school and uh, really uh, didn't have a lot of uh, uh, adulthood to just basically um, staying with my parents. And then I ended up coming to, I, I took engineering as a program in India and computer science. And what fascinated me was the human brain and I want to understand my own brain. So I ended up coming to Canada to pursue a career in neuroscience. And thus I became a neuroscientist. And while I came to Canada, I realized that I was a visual learner because back then, back in India, you don't get these colored textbooks, but here you've got a lot of these, everything is visual, extremely visual, right? From textbooks to, to uh, all kinds of aids you use for learning. And uh, I then realized that I was a visual learner and anything pictorial actually comes in easy for me to understand and I'm a photo and everything stays in memory from then. I have a daughter who's, who, who went to kindergarten a few years ago and she has similar problems. And I thought to myself, you know, I had an idea about writing stories for children to help visual learners. And why not I start here? And that's when I, that was, she was my inspiration to, uh, to write stories. So I created characters called Pompus the Pumpkin and his pals, Philbin and Philberta. They are, it, I want to make it as cute as possible. If Disney could lean, on Mickey Mouse. So someone has to lean on some character to teach children visually. And that's how I created these characters and started writing stories. But the stories were all geared for children who had special learning disabilities like dyslexia or dysgraphia, if you will. And, uh, you know, I just wrote stories and, and started reading them to the children. And it, 
it just came to my mind why not i convert this into a business opportunity to really help children and that's how i ended up in the space and uh, since then i've been building uh, kits diy kits associated with the stories and uh, digital interactives and now i'm taking computer coding to the next step fundamentally the the uh, the crux of this entire uh, access of this uh, this business idea or this or this helping children is based off of storytelling storytelling is a very powerful vector mm-hmm. children love stories i mean humans love stories if you really look look in our lives what memories we have and it stays is of storylines some story from here and there actually stays they, they stay longer in memory so i chose that platform made it visual less words more visuals and uh, learning are three kinds there are three kinds of learners there are visual kinesthetic and auditory so i want to take each story and provide those three modalities so that when the brain is plastic in the first 10 year of 10 years of a child's life you can actually it goes through spurts of growth and a child might be interested in a visual aspects of uh, watching a story another child might be very interested in looking at kinesthetic aspect and i want to do an experiential component another child might have a combination of two so it's a sort of a personalized learning but giving them the choices for them to choose and make and empowering them to make the choices to make education a more fun and inspiring uh, uh, path forward I was noticing that on your website the kits I think are particularly uh engaging for students and it really kind of relates a little bit with our idea of the importance of hands-on education we talk about you know like experiential learning but too often we don't really actually get the experiences associated with that so uh tell us a little bit is is that is your storytelling company is that the Punda one is that or is it connected in some way can you tell us where that name comes about and and what it means Yeah that's a great question Sharna so bunda it's a it's completely new word i i thought what you know if if uh, i wanted to basically invent a word which sticks to a child's mind when they when he or she thinks about an invention or like you know just like the eureka moment archimedes had what can a child have for in in her his or her life like i have an idea for say for example um uh, nutcracker or something or a, a basically a new kind of a mitt for the oven so i've come up with this that that moment that moment of your discovery or an invention that's the bunda moment and so bunda is a word that's incorporated in each of the story every time when pompus and his friends have an idea they say bunda i have an idea let's solve this problem using you know a science concept or a stem concept so that was the idea behind it Excellent. I know that uh I and glancing at your material, I know that you uh have some photovoltaics. It looks like you have uh motors or generators and wiring. Um how are you uh planning on incorporating the coding into your future storylines? That's a great question um Kevin. So the way I I look at it is so each story has a problem. so pompus and his pals have to solve the problem using a stem concept for example they go on a treehouse adventure pompus being a smart guy brings the flashlights and forgets the battery so he uses what's called a dynamo it's nothing but a dc motor which is which uses which is connected to a water wheel in a flowing stream it generates electricity the water wheel actually rotates through mechanical uh, energy 
conversion into an electrical energy using the DC motor or the dynamo, if you will. Back in the days growing in India, I had a bicycle and behind the bicycle, there, there's a small bottle shaped thing which sticks to the, uh, the tubing of the uh, bike. And when, the, when, you, when, you, when you cycle, that generates, that's essentially a motor or a dynamo that generates electricity for the light in the forward. And there's a very good story for children's book called The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind. In, uh, it's a true story in Africa. They okay. even made a movie. It's fascinating to see the dynamo revive in that, in that entire movie. It's a fascinating story. So you then take that and then he makes electricity for his uh, treehouse. Now for the coding aspect is again, Pompus is going to teach how can he turn a light on and off using a, a microcontroller called Microbit, which was launched by the BBC, the British Broadcasting Corporation. It's aimed for elementary school children to teach coding. It's, it's taken off, it's selling like popcorn in the US. It's, it's, it's a completely new coding system. It uses scratch like coding or blocks coding. It's amazing. You can build night lamps and the coding interface is actually very, just like a colloquial English, how you and I speak, it's all blocks programming. Behind uh, the, the back end of the program is Python and, and children can learn when they go to medical, uh, the middle school as they, uh, as they, as they advance in learning coding. But the idea is to keep the storyline tied to every aspect so that it, it is a, there is a purpose behind learning. So learning with intent is very powerful than without intent. If you just teach coding by itself or teach STEM by itself, it's, it's boring, it just fades out. I, it doesn't work for me. So if you provide an intent through storytelling, then you, you have captured them and they, oh, let's, it's a real world problem. I wanna help Pumpers and the kids go crazy from there. Yeah, that's, that's outstanding. So your characters have real world problems. Then you use real science, technology, engineering, math to solve them. So yeah. you're, you're, you're sneaking in education on uh, an entertaining, it's, it's really edutainment, right? It's exactly, entertaining yeah. and educating. You know, it was so. like too, what we were talking about uh, when we, when we met over the weekend, just in general, the, uh, when they're little, you know, oftentimes that identity of who they're going to be is still being formed. And if they don't have access at home to seeing themselves as an engineer or seeing themselves as a coder or something like that, it's really incumbent, I think, upon the educational system and, and teachers. I know that puts a lot on what we already have on our plate, but to really help students to be able to see themselves in different kinds of careers. And I think that your, your stories and your kits really do that. They get to feel their hands on the equipment, they're doing yeah. it, and they can say, oh, I can, this might be something feasible for me as a career. Sure. And, and I have a follow-up question. So what made you decide on a pumpkin and his two friends? Tell us about these three main characters, but how did you end up with a pumpkin? My grandfather was a farmer back in India. And uh, I'm very close to mother nature. I want, I'm very tied to the soil. One of the things which is very important to me is playing with soil because that as a neuroscientist, what you have inside your gut is called the microbiome. A lot, when you disrupt the microbiome, you get all kinds of problems, right? From eczema to neurodegeneration, like Parkinson's. And the reason, and, and to live in, in close synergy with mother nature is very important. And pumpkins were very attractive to me when I moved to North America because of Halloween. And I got, you know, that's one of those big vegetables. It, you know, it brought joy and children loved it. And and the most important thing, it was it was growing above ground and it was very, you can actually visually see it and it seems right. to be always attract, attached to nature. So I took that character and I wanted to create a character out of pumpkin. And, and then I tied it with, uh, 
with technology. So Filberta is a pink robot, which basically is represents technology. Okay. Compass represents science, if you will. And Philbin, the garbage can represents recycling. So it's like the uh, trifecta or the triad of life, if you will. You know, you, technology, earth, and recycling, it's all, it's, it's, it's a circular loop, if you will. That's really interesting. Yeah. Now, just curious, when you grew up in India, are pumpkins prevalent or are they common, commonly grown uh, in your hometown? Yes, they are. They are. They are prevalent. They're commonly grown, but not like these uh, pumpkin patches you see while it's it's another vegetable. Right. Well, and uh, see, I think here in our culture, we undervalue the pumpkin. I mean, we use it at Halloween and that seems to be its claim to fame, as you said. But in reality, you know, in many of the squash families, it, it is the nutrient yeah. that, that but we just we don't think about pumpkins on our plate as yeah. opposed to the way we might do that in other countries. I think I think that's great. Uh, when, when it comes to, you know, your, you were talking about your daughter a little bit and maybe some struggles that she has and certainly what you may have had and your experiences with working with teachers or being here in the state of Florida in education, what are we doing wrong? You know, we're, we're certainly not really increasing when it comes to, you know, advancing on, on our skills. Is it, is it because we are not telling a storyline? We're just use, treating and, like content as a text? And, and then my follow-up question is, how do we fix it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a yeah, that's a big question, uh, Kevin and Chana. So, I think there's a that's a very important question to ask. And first off, I can I should start I should first appreciate what teachers do for children. I mean, it's 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 I think they are the true heroes in the system. One teacher handling the entire class, teaching in different uh, context of context in, in the elementary school, it's very challenging. I think the problem is the problem is twofold actually. Right now, what STEM is viewed, it's viewed in a very different context in a sense that you study force, gravity, you know, and uh, things like that, motion, force, gravity, and basics of physics, or some growing in biology. But I it, it doesn't have any contextual uh, attachment, if you will. You just read it, okay, I want to understand how motors work, or I want to see how, why we float on in space, what is gravity, and things like that. It doesn't have a contextual thing, and they're not emotionally attached to it. So the only, the, you, the only, so if you want to teach them anything, right, from uh, wipe, washing your hands to, to uh, playing with soil, it's the, on, the only way is through stories. You tell them a story, and then what you do is, uh, one, the moment, and if it has uh, attractive characters, you, they, you, then, you got them emotionally connected. Then you start sneaking in stuff. But the problem is when you bring in STEM concept, right? So the teacher is not completely uh, trained in, in all the STEM content. One cannot be a, a know-all of everything. So the books, the stories have to really have aids for the teachers and the supplements could be from as a workbook or visuals like a YouTube video or a read-along story and interactives to play around. Like for example, conductors versus insulators, what we created or uh, you know, today's weather, what what would you design a circuit based on today's weather kind of thing and you i think the professionally you got to also train the teachers and provide them the right resource and provide them the right confidence and, and the problem with when you bringing coding to schools is you the teachers will all most of the time encounter the fact that they will supersede the teachers the children the, the young children the brain is amazingly curious and they're very tuned for uh, tinkering they pick up concept and we should not fear as a society should not fear providing them complex uh, concepts 
because in Asia, it's it's uh, uh, if if you take a fourth grader here uh, in the U.S. versus a fourth grader in Asia and Singapore, India, or China, it's completely different, totally different. I think they are way ahead, and but they are more on GPA centric, and I think we should bring more creativity into this, and that's I think they'll flourish here if we provide a support for the teachers and provide the right tools for the teachers and right education. I think it will probably be the best way to move things forward. You know, right. Kevin, I'm thinking when we were in China, we were in Beijing for a space settlement contest there uh, representing the United States. And we were asked to speak on an educators panel there. And they it, it sounded very similar to what you were sharing there. And that is that they outrank us when it comes as far as being able content, they're beyond. But what they lack in their educational system is that creativity. And we seem to be so focused on the idea of like, just, you know, we'll all do what we have to do to get by. We're, we, it's like we've fallen short with delivering the content in a creative way, even though that seems to be what we're supposed to be well known for. Uh, and I think, too, you kind of suggested that what is also lacking, in addition to creating a storyline for those younger children, we're not really making it relevant as they go through school. So if they're not seeing those connections where it starts as a story when they're much younger to see how it can actually, those hands-on manipulatives and actually creating and becoming that you know, STEM professional of the future doesn't seem relevant until they see how it works in the real world. So I think that, that what you've done there has created that real world element. Right, and I, I just wanna circle back to some things that you've said. I like the idea that you have a small team out there. Your content is a small team solving a problems, real world problems to them. Yeah. I feel like that's a great way that we should model that with our students. No, you mean it's characters. Are, right, your characters, yeah. your characters are a small team solving problems. Yep. And that that's the real world we live in. You've got to mm -hmm. be able to be a good team player. You've got to be able to communicate. I also um, can appreciate my colleague and I know we can appreciate when you have a room full of kids and you have di different learning modalities, one of the first things you have to figure out is how do you reach everyone or how do you, yeah. how do you figure out uh, or help actually the most, I, I think the best thing is to help the student figure out what is their learning modality, what is their happy place, and then let them run as fast as they can in their happy place. Uh, I think I'm mostly visual. But I remember today uh, a ninth grade history teacher that told such wonderful stories. I just remembered his stories, right? So I don't think we're all 100% one way or another, but I do think that each kid, you're right, they've got to find what is their best way to learn and then give them that content. So whenever you, you know, if we can find teachers and give them enough tools where the student can choose from the toolkit and still learn the same content, I, I think that would be even better. Well, I think that you're right. That's what's lacking too. I mean, having been a teacher in both the public and the private sector, it's one thing to be able to say, we have to teach this in this particular unit, but then the teacher is expected to augment beyond what is given to them in a textbook. And I think that that's where these, these activities come into play. And there's really nothing that's cohesive from what I've seen that says for all the mode, you have to kind of do the background work and do it yourself. So it's good that it's all in one place. Right. So what are your plans for your characters. Are you able to share with our audience your storyline of, uh, uh, is it uh, Philbin, Phil, Phil, Philbin, Philbretta? Philberta. Philberta, Philberta and, yeah. and, and Pumpus. Uh, what, what adventures do you see them uh, coming up in, in the near future that your, your uh, clients or our listeners might be interested in, in learning more about? 
So we have the first book I launched is called Pompous is a Glowing Idea. They go on a uh, camping adventure on Halloween. He brings everything and uh, he forgets the matchstick. So while going to the campsite, they use a compass and a map to navigate. And the book teaches friction. How do you make fire? And the kit is uh, using the real compass and a, and, a, and a map to learn skills, navigation skills. And the coding aspects is how can you program a compass using a micro bit. Second story is flowing idea. They go on a trio's adventure, brings the uh, flashlight, forgets the uh, batteries. So he uses a dynamo on a, on a water wheel to make electricity. The coding is using, we're working on a coding program so that you can actually utilize a solar um, panel to charge a battery that can run uh, a, um, a lamp for the tree house. The third one is on a growing idea. So they go for a gardening adventure and they they have, uh, they realize that the water is trickling. So he, he uses, a, he invents a trickler sprinkler. It's essentially a drip irrigation. And the coding we, I just finished completing is an automated trickler sprinkler using oh, okay. And the fourth, next four stories is a filtering idea using a floating garden to clean up a pond to help fish, save fish. Pulling idea to rescue a, a mommy and a baby turtle using a pulley, a simple machine. And then uh, the third one is peaking idea. They use a periscope to rescue a bat in the cave during the caving adventure. And the fourth one, talking to you, Kevin and Shauna, we came up with the ballooning idea. And we really want to collaborate with you guys. I think I see it's amazing how you can actually bring a lot of stuff, learning about the atmosphere of the earth and, nav and, and, and navigation to some extent. And, and with a lot of data analysis and data analysis is that's the key that's the future and that's the pop that's going to differentiate between us and the rest of the world who's going to win the power of data and the ability to analyze and you have to inject that information into students in the elementary school while the brain is plastic so you planted the seed that's that's what you, i call it you need roots to grow stem yeah. middle school you fertilize the plant and then high school off they go for for the fruition. Yeah. Right. I love too that your characters just listening and you kind of recap the plot line. I love that the characters are somewhat flawed. Like he's brilliant, but he forgets this. And that's something everyone can relate to, right? Yeah. Also solving a problem begins with knowing what you have and what you need and trying to, you know, uh, accommodate or use uh, brain power to make up at least for a lack of planning or you know your circumstances so i, yeah, yeah. I think these are great um you partner with an illustrator is that correct because i've seen some of your artwork and it's uh, fantastic so uh, how long have you known the illustrator that's working with you and how what's the way that you partner do you set up storyboards or you do you just tell the story and he's an auditory learner and then he turns it into the images essentially i write the stories and I'm very particular about the color because I grew up with a series called Adventures of Tintin. The color is amazing. The outs, it's outstanding. And I, that's one thing I kept reading over and over and again, even I was, even today, I read it. And the reason is, I don't know why that is a series of uh, picture graphic, no, uh, graphic novel or uh, comic books, if you will. It's, it's a, I think it's a STEM, definitely STEM. But that color, I wanted to capture it, and I was looking on. I interviewed a lot of illustrators, and I found Jack Spellman here in, in who lives in Gainesville, and he did the first two books, and then I was I found Heather who did the third book, and they are brilliant in their in their space. 
And I'm looking for another couple of illustrators to get to that same kind of level with some different uh, spin-off for the next four stories. But that was very important to me to throw those colors and, and it immediately the children picked on it. They were just, they were grabbed, the attention was completely grabbed on. Right. Um, you remind me of a story about 10 years ago, I went to a university with my previous job at the Science Foundation and they were talking about how to recruit kids for welding. And one of the companies had made a beautiful, I guess they call them graphic novels. I called it a comic book, but it was Iron Man. It was the, yeah. it was the Marvel character Iron Man about, and it was a, an entire story about welding and the importance of welding and Iron Man. And I thought, oh my goodness, you know, I, I don't know about the uh, getting the permissions for that character, but when you have that kind of well-known character and you can link it to a career field, I'm thinking that's how you get young people excited about, you know, a certain, in this case, it was specifically welding because these welders, you know, that's a very important skilled trade. Those guys, those uh, folks, welders make good money. They're needed, right? We, we're constantly building and recycling things. And I think about it, the shipyard, you're building ships or taking them apart, right? And, uh, but anyway, I just was thinking about your graphic novel is very powerful for the visual learners and the and the and the kind of characters you make. Yeah, the welding is a great example. You can actually build a human skeleton and ex explain to them how different joints work. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. I actually want to ask a question similar, like not just with how you work at, as a human with other people in your team, but going back to your actual kits. So how do you? So it sounds like you have a story, and then the story either comes with these accessories. So. How do you put together the kits? Do you have to go and buy all this individually? And then how that seems so time consuming. How do you get the kits? It, it is actually, uh, that's a great question, Sean. It's very time consuming because I know every kit has to cater to the specific, right? But if I, I ended up searching for a dynamo and a water wheel, I ended up finding a lot of these resources in Asia. I don't know why, but then when I started inquiring why, it appears that it's already embedded in the school system. And we're already trailing behind. Yes, wow. I, I did some work with solar panels on some emulators for our CubeSats and the best little um, 10 by 10 centimeter, you know, solar panel was like $3. And they're, yeah. of course, they're all made in China because that's where all the low cost manufacturing is. And it wasn't a matter of me wanting to choose American. It was a matter of this is how I can build yeah. a kit for my kids to do this work on the budget that I have. Well, right, so you go to a website, probably something like an Alibaba or something like that, and you're yeah, able to yeah. buy any number of things to bring back to create these kits. And I'm assuming that, you know, uh, I think that's gonna be the wave of, of how this gets done. And it's, 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 it's sad to hear that they're already leaps and bounds ahead of us in other countries. Yeah. When we have all of the resources at our hands, we're just stuck in this ethnocentric idea about what education is supposed to look like. It's yeah, I'm actually trying, working hard to get, to try to convince the school system here, but I'm almost, almost given up. Yeah. And well, I think one of the business models I'm actually exploring is taking them back to India and China, because I think it, the penetration is very hard. And I don't think they see this, this importance because generations of scientists and engineers are just dropping out of this STEM space. It's, I, it's not a good, it's not a good uh, time right now. I think they should look into different companies and start looking at the different novel technologies coming in and start incorporating. Like I believe that the satellite communication has to be part of the elementary and middle school system. That's uh, no question about the entire K through 12. Yeah. 
Well, we start so late, right? We just expect, oh, university, and that's where it's at. And that's one of the things, like, I think Kevin was instrumental in getting, you know, middle school kids out there. It was unheard of for what they were doing, but we we just treat kids as like, oh, they're not able. Let's just go ahead and coddle them. We just do it backwards here, completely. Backwards. I, I, I think, yeah, I think some of the areas that we've got to do better or we're going to really have uh, existential survival issues uh sustainable agriculture you know as we fill the surface of the earth uh clean air clean water uh microplastics and then you think about technologies like blockchain and ai and cybersecurity yeah, yeah. and satellites these are where i think our future stem workforce is heading right that's, that's no question about it kevin you've actually summed it and nailed it in the coffin it's very important that we focus on this and I think, you know, with, with any meteorological studies or like this kind of satellite, you get data, data is powerful. Then what do you do with the data? Can you build a tool which can predict the, the, the tomorrow's weather? Or can you use, build a smart home using a dynamo and a water wheel and a, and, and a windmill and a solar panel combined together? You know, can alternate sources of energy, renewable forms of energy? Can we coexist with nature? All this is very important, extremely right. important. And, and see, I'm a, a visual teacher and a, I'm a visual learner and... I think most of us teach the way in our happy place, right? And that, I think a kid using Excel as early as possible is important because you can take a bunch of numbers, turn it into a graph, and then you can talk about trends and patterns and yep. understanding, right? Now you're beyond the data and you're looking at intelligence and wisdom and the synthesis of new information. That's where I think that we, I could do, I know that my, you know, my last experiences with kids, I started with them in the sixth grade, but they really need that in the third and fourth Absolutely. grade. We just yep. don't start early enough. Because the, bra the, the brain, sorry, sorry, Ashana. No, go. No. No. Oh, brain, I'm just, yeah, you go. The brain is extremely plastic in the first 10 years of the life, right? Imagine how a child learns a language. You don't teach grammar. You don't take a, give a textbook to learn. They just pick it up like that. The brain is tuned for it. And they pick it up so fast. And that's why in, in our adulthood, when the brain is set to some extent, it's slightly plastic, you find it very difficult to learn a new language. So that's why it has to start very early on to plant that seed and you got to get them. And we have to not treat, stop treating children and fearing children, oh, they won't, they might not, it's complex. You know, I, for Dynamo, they, my parent, my family said, you know, Dynamo is too complex. Why can't he speak, is, is, uh, um, teach a six-year-old Dynamo? But apparently when I started reading it, they just picked up and they started asking, bombarded me with questions. Right. That was uh, proof. See, of the I, I think the one of the beautiful secrets of the universe is the fact that magnetism and electricity are intricately related and different sides of the same coin. And when I, you know, you talk about when kids get that moment and their eyes light up and they get it. It's when you talk about what do you get when you spin a magnetic field or a tiny magnetic charge, or what do you get when you spin a tiny electric charge? And you're, and uh, that the whole idea of electromagnetism I think is powerful because yeah. that's where almost all of our technology is derived from today. Yeah. As we get ready to kind of come to our conclusion, where can any teacher listeners or parents even who are interested in getting their hands on your material, where can they go? And I'll certainly link it in the description. I have a website uh, and it's called www.boon-dots, B as in Bob, O-O-N as in Nancy, hyphen, D as in David, A, H as in Hawaii.com. And uh, they and 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 my email is praba at 
boon-dao.com. And I'm, you know, anybody can email me and I, I respond to them immediately. And I, it's, I, it's not about a business. It's about helping children. I think sure. people like you, I think we all can work together as a tourity force to help build a better future for America and American kids. Yeah, I'm thinking that uh, I would have liked to have seen you at an FETC concert, uh, com a conference uh, in Orlando in January's uh, pre-COVID. That's the, it used to be called Florida, but now I think it's called Future Education Technology Conference. And getting you in, I, I think we need to see you at some NSTA conferences and get you in front of a big, a group, big group of educators. Yes. Yeah, the flag, I, you're, you're a member of the, I, there are several ways we, we can reach out. And after we're done filming here, I've got another idea for you as well, but I, we're, we're gonna we're connect you with here. some, we're gonna connect you with some organizations as yeah. well. And, uh, well, we just want to thank you for your time. I guess the last question we normally ask is, uh, you, you have your, your daughter, you have children, and you, you spoke about that. What advice could you offer to our students who may be a little bit older than your children are or were, and uh, to help them as they consider maybe a STEM career or try to translate what they love into what they might could do when they're adults? That's a great question, uh, Kevin. Uh, what I would, my advice to children in general is to first off have perseverance, patience, and things will fall in place and understand oneself. I know what he or she might probably be leaning on. Read, and if you can't read, watch visual videos and play around with stuff. Things will fall in place as and and just never give up and and, and believe in yourself. That's very important. Believe in yourself. Every human being born on this planet is talented and has got some talent. And we have to help these children get into that arena and figure out what those talents are. Absolutely. You can't stop a kid uh, who, when you've enabled their dreams and they're motivated. Man, there's nothing better. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's hands down. Yep. Yeah, well, I, we want to thank you for taking uh, some time to speak with us today. Uh, we will uh, look, we'd like to come back and meet with you again uh, a few months down the road and, and we'll do a follow up and hopefully we'll have some more good news to share with our audience. Thank you so much, Kevin and Sean. I truly appreciate this opportunity. Well, thank you very much. He, you know, Prabha is just so interesting to listen to. This is only the second time I've had the opportunity of talking with him, and I am just floored by the way his mind thinks and how he is able to put parts together for other children who not only think similarly, but for every, you know, learning style. I, I, I agree, and I really like the fact that he takes into consideration the learning modalities and the, the fact that every kid in a classroom is not going to understand content in the same way. And he provides different ways to deliver that content through his stories. Mm -hmm. I do like the idea of a great storyteller and mm -hmm. a tale. Uh, just imagine if Harry Potter taught uh, physics or chemistry, you know, mm -hmm. you get a lot of 10 to 14 year olds uh, on the bandwagon if there or was... if you use the concept of magic to teach it whether it's harry potter the character right. or not i think you know too it's not just the student i think what is really important about the work that he's doing is is it helps teachers as well and i've been that teacher who's just starting out in a content area that you know i am qualified to teach but have never taught before and you know too often we throw these all these different components into one content area so i think 
he's able to make it easier for teachers who might be forced to teach a unit, but they don't know how to reach their kids and make it relevant. So that's a that's important. I, I wish that he, I wish school districts would listen to him. I wish the state of Florida and others would kind of recognize that what we're doing with education is, is wrong. We are, when we have other countries who are advancing ahead of us because we simply have this antiquated model, we've got to do something to fix that. Sure. And for our podcast listeners, I want to remind you that uh, Prabha's uh, website is www.boondah.com. Dot com. That's B-O-O-N dash D-A-H dot com. Right. And I'll have a link in the com. description as well that you can go to. And I uh, do hope that you will check out his, his site. So for those of you uh, listening, we, we want to remind you that uh, all of the great accomplishments that we are hoping our children will uh will achieve all of these things we hope that they will achieve as they they go out into space and they become these scientists engineers doctors whatever whatever path it takes it on uh, whatever path that they end up on we just uh are hoping to provide content that will enable and, and help educators uh, maybe make that task a little bit easier to prepare them uh, we hope you will join us next time for our podcast and remember let's go go to to space. space